Well, hello, I'm Neil Taylor. And I'm Guy Mavent, and this is the GW Co podcast. This time, our guest is Dominic Kerfner, Executive Vice President of Marketing and Corporate Communications at Austrian lighting group Zumtorbun. And while you might not know their name, you've probably lived your life lit by their lights. We'll be talking about their award-winning Thorn Echo brand. And what it's like for a German-speaking business to trade on an international stage where the business culture and language is English. Dominic, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for this invitation. I am happy to be here. Uh, and first of all, congratulations. I have to say this is the smartest podcast we've ever done. This is like the glory <laughs> days of the BBC. You two are sat here in the middle of the afternoon in dinner jackets. It's true. I feel like I'm really letting the side down if anyone sees the photo that goes with this. So you're dressed like this because you're going to collect your award this evening. Gilmar, tell us what the award is. Um, it's a nice one. It's from the Design Business Association and it's one for effectiveness. And we've worked on a project um, where we had to prove that design can make a difference to business. And it's judged by clients and it's judged on results. So I could now boast about 300% sales growth and so on and so on. But I don't think that's for the podcast. We'll go and see what comes out of it. But it will be a nice celebration. Yeah. So Dominic, tell us about the brand that has won. Well, yeah, uh, a very uh, fantastic journey, uh, which is behind us. Uh, honestly, I have to say when I started two years ago, uh, Thorn Echo, the, the new brand was was still, I, I, let's say, a, a bit of an ugly baby because there was some idea, there was a strategy um, how to serve a new market, how to enter a new market with a new product, but uh, no one really knew how, how, to do, uh, how to deal with it. And I'm so glad uh, to have chosen also Gilmar and his company to help us with this project uh, because without such a strong agency, uh, uh, this wouldn't have been possible at all. Okay, this is enough about Gilmar already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So tell us about the product, yeah. because forgive me, yeah. if if you don't know the world of lighting, yeah. this sounds like it's a boring product. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly speaking, um, you know, Zumtobel Group and, his, and, and the brands, they stand for, let's say, premium products, especially our brand Zumtobel. Um, if you are, uh, if you want to equip a building with with high-end luminaires, uh, I think Zumtobel is uh, number one. Tell us what worldwide. a luminaire is. Well, a luminaire is kind of a, a light or a lamp you install in your office, in your shop. Okay, so that's so the industry word, is it? For what I would luminaire, call a light. Yeah. Honestly speaking, when I started at Zumtobel Group and I called it and said the German word, as we say as a normal consumer, we say Lampe. Yeah. Um, everyone looked at me angry and said, <laughs> we don't say Lampe. <laughs> it's far we, too we, simple yeah, yeah, for yeah, what we, we say do. Luminaire. Um, so we are talking here about the Luminaire's business. And Thorn Echo. Um, so as I told you, uh, we are with our products in the high-end market. We realize that uh, there's also a huge potential for us in a market where we say you still get good products for a, a bit lower price. So Gilmar, Dominic is refusing to accept that this is a boring product. <laughs> Did you think it was a boring product when you got the brief? Oh, we, we never have boring briefs. <laughs> we just refuse to think they're boring. Now, I, th I think what's interesting is, and I can say that because um, Jens, who, who gave us you know, the initial briefing, he said it's a me too product. And that is true. It is an absolute commodity 
And the interesting bit, and that's actually very exciting, it, it means what we can do, branding, marketing, is the way to differentiate. Yeah. And that's a fantastic brief. And to have to see the journey where there's a lot of doubt when you go into a company where everyone knows premium and lives premium and you say, okay, now we do a value thing. You know, there's a lot of sort of, you know, hmm, what do you think about that? Do we really want this? You know, good, and then good, to, good face for the podcast there, Gilmar. <laughs> and then to see that journey, the transformation inside from the first one who were suddenly infected by the bug and then fought for it and to see it all be successful and then obviously... You know, once it becomes commercially successful, then everyone thought it was a great thing. And why? Why was it successful? <laughs> Dominic's shaking his head. <laughs> uh, first, uh, let me let me add: uh, Luminaires is not a boring business at all, because light is so much added value to how you live. Um, if you work under uh, bad lighting conditions, that affects you, even your uh, even your health. So therefore, light is never uh, boring. So even if you buy a value product like Thorn Echo, it's still good light. And uh, and uh, many people don't know what good light means. Um, and let me also add uh, to the comment, yes, of course, it was a huge challenge in our company because if you're working in an environment where you're talking about technological excellence, premium, high-end, and then someone has the idea and now we do a value product, of course, also internally in the company, that's some kind of a... You have to think new, uh, you have to reinvent, you, um, and you have to think about a completely different customer journey, and that's really a challenge. So what did you do that was new? What does this brand look like? Um, we did a few things. The one thing that we did, and that's, that's sometimes a bit sobering, we went to a few of those wholesalers. And it's not the same as if you walk into Nike Town, let me tell you that. But, you know, as everywhere, you got people who are, you know, passionate about what they do. And as soon as you get into those conversations, you find things that are interesting. And, uh, and one of the things that we found was, you know, this is, this is a place where people call their products LE2 and base drivel 7 and all these kind of, kind of, for a technical person, you might understand what they all mean, but they don't mean anything. And the other thing was that, um, basically, a place where an electrician goes to the counter and said, I need a light bulb. And the wholesaler chooses what he's going to get. So what we, what we thought about, it's not just about the electrician, it's also about the wholesaler. And we had an early meeting when Dominic said, come in and we, we had a discussion. And we, we saw the first six products and, and they had all these kind of names. And one of them was called Amy. And I just said, that's quite nice. And I said, why don't you call the, give them all human names? And then you have a product family. So why was one of them called Amy? Well, actually, that was an invention by one of the product managers. So the, um, I think they had the same intention as we had. Uh, why should a... Why should a um, electrician in the morning go to the wholesaler and be bored by so many products? We wanted to have a, 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 an approach where I go in in the morning to the wholesaler and I have a smile in my face because I see something extraordinary nice, something funny, something cool, something I can remember when I go home. And um, yes, and this uh, product called Amy was uh, the door opener for us. So what other names are in the family? All of them. Well, that's the beautiful thing. It's now in 17 countries and the list of names is endless. I, I saw Amy and Amy looks a bit like an A-skirt. You know, is that what it's called? You know, it, an A-line skirt. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's literally like a little, 
you know, like a dress. And we thought, okay, we can play on that. And then we created characters for each of them. And we went into, okay, you know, this one is for offices. This one likes cove lighting cabinets. So it's, it's a little bit more secret, a little bit more precious. And you, you build the personality. Julie is, is you know, for you know, hard hat wearing, you know, um, garages and studios. So, you know, when she has a hat, we build all these accessories for them. And then, you know, and suddenly you have, a, you know, a cast of characters rather a few dull products and that would made what was made the difference well honestly uh, when we did our visit tour here in london to certain wholesalers uh, we had quite good fun because uh, one of our team said um, that would be funny if one electrician in the morning goes to the wholesaler and is shouting to the room i need six julies and five amys i mean that sounds really weird and uh, somehow and, and and this this was kind of we had a good feeling we had this fun effect and did everyone find it fun or did you have to convince uh. Some skeptics. You know, uh, honestly, uh, sometimes I say the more enemies you have, the, uh, the more successful you are. <laughs> of course, um, uh, certain people, certain stakeholders, they were quite a bit surprised at the beginning. Um, because, as I said, it was a new market entry. It was a new uh, customer. It's, it's a new approach, a new customer journey. So they had to, to think new about it. So at the beginning, yes, there, there were some people that were nervous about it. There, there was some gossip talk. Uh, and did you see this? And did you see uh, the first ideas? And how can they use these names? But, but I have to say now, as the concept is also communicated inside the company, really everyone loves it. And uh, we have, even uh, in our organization now, we have a battle between the UK organization and the French organization. Um, so the French say, I want to sell more than the UK and UK <laughs> says I want to sell more than the German speaking countries and um, yes it's it's a very good mood now and they have super creative idea how to promote how to promote it and there's so much fun inside the company now and as we have the business success already you can see it on the figures um, so so everyone is happy now with it and, and those who are not happy with it they just shut up <laughs> so this is one of those things though isn't it where that's what happens when it works exactly Gilmore were you worried that this could just bomb you know it is a challenger brand it is a disruptive concept so you have to have the license to test out the boundaries yes. and you do this obviously with a smile you know there are certain things that you wouldn't do but um, um yeah and it's it's for us or for, for me personally it's also really nice when you have that you know enthusiasm on the other side as well and you know and, and we can say look do it this way and then things are being created that we're not even part of I find that I find that hugely fascinating. Yeah, um, Glimmer is coming from the agency side, so so he wants to be creative. He wants to check out the boundaries. How far can I go? On the other side, with me, you have an an internal guy who has also to deal with politics. So therefore, uh, you have also to think about this uh, political stakeholders. You um, you have somehow to to calm down, and so we have a very healthy competition um, of uh, checking out the boundaries on the same side also giving me always the, the, the right environment inside the company to keep certain people also quiet and, um, and, 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 and to, play, to play political cards, let's say. So you've won this award mm. and that's on the basis of sales, is it? We had to, you know, 
um, visit salespeople and so on and say, give us your figures. Hang on, well, you cannot have those <laughs> figures. Yeah, but it's going to be confidential and we need to, otherwise there's no mm. chance. So you do, you know, we had to measure return on investment. We had to, you know, we had sales growth. We had and a fantastic uptake on social media and on website signups, 2.3 times the benchmark. That is pretty high. So some really, really good figures and, the, and that all after three months. Wow. So that was a nice thing because you could, it was launched and then it sort of bumbled along for six months. Then in, in, we, its old in its version. old guise, which was a bit conflicted. You know, yeah. Dominic said it was a bit of an ugly duckling. It, it, it was. And then we said, no, you know, that, that was the brief. Can you, can you help us turn that into something? And we did. And then it, it, it kind of, you know, rocketed. Yeah. And in my experience, it's usually the sort of big agencies that tend to win those kind of awards. So does that? No, it's nice to win one as a smaller agency, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's. Um, I think. I think. Well, it fits. It's a challenger brand. It needs somebody who isn't about safety. Who you know, you needs intelligence, but you can have that in all sorts of places. That's that's the people you work with, and I've got a good team. And um, and then it's it it needs a bit of balls, if I may say so. And then and and then and that is From on both, both sides. On both sides, and that's that for me is the joy of it. You know, you, you you fight together. Yes, you you know, I have a role to play in this. Dominic has a different role to play because I have, I need to push. Dominic needs to make sure that I'm not pushing too far. And if we have a good dialogue, then we can make things happen. So yeah, I think also um, um, talking about Gilmar and his people, um, it was a clear decision also from my side. Uh, of course, we had a procurement process and these kind of things, but I recommended Gilmar and his guys because, uh, you know, we are somehow a medium-sized company with six different brands. So you need to understand... Uh, um, to work for a mid-sized company, uh, which has still this, uh, yeah, the, 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 the founding family uh, as a stakeholder, and six brands. So you need to understand each single brand. You have to understand where sits the brand, what does the brand mean, and um, where sits the new brand with Thorn Echo. So if I would have chosen a, a big global uh, um, agency, I doubt uh, whether they would have investigated so deep into the brand. So Gilmer and his team really try to understand each, um, uh, all the DNA in the company and, 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 and through understanding that and with the entrepreneurship they still have because they are small, they understand where exactly will Thorn Echo be and, and so that we don't have a conflict with the other brands. So therefore, I think it was the right decision to go with a, a smaller agency uh, instead of buying in uh, top five in, in the industry because they wouldn't have the, yeah, the time uh, and we wouldn't have had also the, the huge budget. And, and, and I think at the end, you, we wouldn't have got the quality. Um, you have to have as a medium-sized, still partly family-owned company. So you have in, in Germany, and I'm from Germany, like like Dominic, you have a saying, hier kocht der Chef, you know, and I won't translate it. You can all look it up if you want. But essentially what you get in this, you know, I'm involved and we're all involved and we put all our heart in. It's not a revenue you know, number. It is something that this is what we do. And it's been it's been good. So it sounds like that was quite a brave decision of some Tobal Group, you and some Tobal Group to do something like that. It sounds like it's a business that's changing in other ways. That that moving from 
being very product focused to something else. Tell mm. us about that. Well, yes, that's absolutely true. I think the the lighting industry is one of the last industries worldwide which is now affected by this uh, the disruptive environment. Um, for a very long time, the technology did not change. You had the light bulbs. There was even a cartel worldwide which decided how long a bulb will work. Um, and all of that was gone uh, or started to yeah, to fade away uh, is 10 years ago when the LED technology came up. So, uh, and now uh, the next disruptive wave is, is, is the IoT, so the Internet of Things, the connectivity, which is again a huge disruption in the lighting industry. So two disruptions within, let's say, 10 years. So that's huge. That's so, really huge. so Internet of Things is one of those phrases that people yeah. kind of understand. What does that mean for lighting? So this starts with, uh, you know, the LED technology means you have a chip in, in your light. So we use this chip um, to measure. So we measure, was there someone in the room? So if there was no one in the room, it's no need to clean it. So you save costs. Um, so you me you can measure the frequency in a room. Um, are there people in the room? Okay, we have to increase the heating or we have to decrease um, the, the heating, which saves at the end money because if you heat your room, there's no one inside. It makes no sense, right? So you start through light, you start to measure. Or if we go to outdoor lighting, uh, we have a cooperation with Heere, uh, which means uh, we, we start with the outdoor luminaires. Uh, we start to measure where is a parking slot. Um, so the, the biggest problem you have if you have a car is searching for parking space. So now together with, with, with Bosch and other companies, uh, we are developing a system which helps you as a car driver to find your parking space. So and this is all done with luminaires, which are there already. So you don't need new equipment. So that's a big shift, isn't it? From yes. something that feels quite industrial yes. to being a data business as much as anything else. What is that shift like internally, culturally? Well, that's a huge challenge and it still is a challenge. Uh, Zumtobel Group uh, and our heritage is that we produce light. So we are used to sell products and our founding family, uh, also our still our um, supervisor, uh, chairman of the supervisory board, Jörg Zumtobel, who's now 82 years old, he's, he's still pushing us to develop even better products, which is absolutely great that he's doing that so that we don't forget um, our heritage. On the same side, uh, we have to move towards service, towards, as you said, uh, data management. Um, we have to become a service provider. And that's a huge change. Um, and um, we are still in the middle of this hurricane. Uh, but we see already the first uh, successful projects coming. So, Gilmar, it sounds like you've been working on lots of these brands mm. that are trying to make that transition. What's your role in that? Um, it's fascinating because I could say over the last two years, we've worked on every possible branding problem in the context of lighting. And I love that because, because you can really make all these things. On um, in the service field, yes, you know, some group they are the first ones who set up a specific division for those services, and so we within this, you know, pretty large, you know, medium-sized business, but pretty large. I mean, we're talking billions here. Um, there's a startup, so how do you help that startup grow? You know, and the first thing we did, we we, we helped um, Thomas, who's who's leading this. 
make a presentation to the board to show the different business models. Then there's a question, do you do this as an external business or as an internal business and so on and so on. Then you say, okay, what's the vision here? You know, and at first the vision is, well, we need to establish ourselves within the business. You know? So you, you can't do a five-year plan. You need to get to that step. And then you say, okay, you know, six months later, you know, we've got it. Then you say, okay, what's next? Okay, we have no revenue target. So what's the next vision? Get to those revenue targets and so on and so on. And then as it established, then people can say, yeah, yeah but that's all, it's not all about money. We need some feeling. And then you start the conversation about purpose, you know, and then you do the full brand workshop and you get people. So why are you here? You know, why are you here, Mr. Mrs. Uh, and so on, you know, other than it's a job. No, no, you're here for something else. And suddenly the things you get out, we want to do a revolution. You know, we're here because this is the most happening place in the whole group and so on. And we got some fantastic um, results out of those workshops. You know, one of the core values of this um of this startup is be infectious mm-hmm. and the first reaction again is oh, you cannot possibly say that this is <laughs> negative and so on and the team fought for that you know and what's quite interesting when you then win over people you know everyone then uses it you know now this infectiousness has spread so that was one of the ways of how we worked there i mean the, the challenge was if i may add that the challenge was that y- you have a company and the the leader realizing we have to go towards services. We have to go to this connectivity topic. We have to give answers to IoT. So pretty much technical driven. On the other side, uh, you have the customers. They don't know, which don't know that they need that and that they could buy that. So in marketing, it was our job to build a bridge because there was not a single customer asking us for that service. We have to go to the customer and tell the customer, and by the way, I can reduce your energy savings by 30% by measuring who's in the room and when and what time. And, and then the customer gets interested in that. So marketing here, the challenge for marketing was to build a bridge from the nerds, the techn- technology nerds, to, to the customer. And presumably you end up with different customers, right? Because they're interested suddenly in different things. Definitely. I mean, um, we, we, we have a different approach now and we talk to completely different people. In the past, we talked to electricians, we talked to architects and designers. And now we are talking to the CFO. We are talking to the head of procurement. Uh, so we, uh, to facility managers. Uh, so it's the first time that they meet luminaire people and Luminaire people meet CFO. And how important was it for you to get outside help with those problems? Well, fantastic important. Uh, because, um, because the external people are asking the right questions. Because you, get, you have this internal view and you know, hey, this is going to be great. But the external who's coming absolutely new to this company, he will ask the questions of the customer. And this immediately brings you down to earth very quickly. Uh, You think about, do we have the right offer? Does the customer this really need? Will the customer understand that? Okay, so Dominic, you've mentioned this a couple of times. You talked about the family influence in Sumtobo because you've said it's a bit of a hybrid. Yeah. Well, that's true. So, um, you know, some tool group is a bit of a hybrid because we are a public listed company. Or we have 65% free float at the Vienna Stock Exchange. At the same side, we have something around 30%, which is still owned by the Zumtobel family. 
Um, so we are, let's say we are kind of a, a mixture of being stock listed and still a very um, important anchor investor uh, in, in Zoom Tobi Group. And does that mean you get the best of both worlds or a mess? Well, actually, I, I have to say... Um, um, Working for a family company has quite a lot of positive aspects. The first one is that, um, and I was a consultant by myself for many years, so I saw multi-billion companies and I saw also small-sized companies. So I, I think I saw the whole whole portfolio of companies you, you can have in this world. Um, and uh, what's so positive about family companies is that they uh, they don't uh, run after each, do you say that in English, after each trend, you know what I mean? So they keep somehow, they keep uh, the direction. And um, also at Zumtobel Group, we have with Jörg Zumtobel, who is the son of the founder of Zumtobel, Jörg Zumtobel, who is now around 80, 82 years old, he still is, is he, he still takes care that these, the tradition and the, the genes, the, 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 the DNA is still valid. So he's pushing us every week in meetings, is this the right product? Do we deliver the right design? Are we pushing hard enough for the next innovation? So that's really great to see that, um, so that, um, that we keep the tradition and that we keep the focus on being innovative and being also premium. On the other side, of course, in a, in a disruptive environment we have, you need also quick decisions and you have, you have to adopt very quickly. And of course, this is a bit then of the downside if you are working for some kind of a family company. If you can balance that, I would say, you have, yes, you have both. You have the perfect um, aspects of both sides, but sometimes, it's, of course, it's challenging. There are many family companies outside in this world where everything works perfectly. So let me give you maybe two examples. We have uh, one of the market leaders in the food industry, the Oetker Group, you may know it. Um, so uh, that perfectly works. It's, it's a huge uh, family company, global company, and they have also clear rules. The Oetker family has no part in the management. So they are not in the operative management. They are sitting in the supervisory board. They are sitting in, in governing bodies, but none of the family is allowed to work inside the company. So clear rules. So it works perfectly. On the other side, um, we have a, one of our stars in, in Germany is the Fissmann Group. And, and there you have a clear successor. The, the son came in, the father stepped back, and now the son who has international experience is leading the company into the 21st century. So yes, it's, it's really, I can recommend to work for family companies if the setup um, is, is the right one. Gilmar, this sounds like a complicated client because you've got six brands, did you say? Mm -hmm. Six brands all undergoing this transition from product to service. You've got some kind of family element, but you've also got a listed element. It's international. This sounds hard work. It's one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, he has to I'm say speaking that. From, um, no, I'm speaking from the <laughs> The day he gets would, the award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, as an outsider, you have different, you, you have a different perspective and you have a different access, you know. You know, we're, we're there to ask questions, to ask difficult questions sometimes, to take a stand on behalf of their customers. So we also have a license to do that. So, you know, there is, I, I can prod and probe and also say some things that have to be said that, I, that, that you cannot say on the inside because it would be a little bit too difficult. So I think from that point of view, I've got an easier thing. And one of what I would say, Dominic says, said a lot of nice things about us. Here's somebody who's very good at shielding you 
as an agency from anything that might disrupt you, are you doing and just that, get on to it. Are you doing that deliberately, Dominic? Yes, yes. I think, you know, I, 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 I was sitting quite a long time on the other side of the table, like Gilmar. I was a consultant. So I think as a consultant, you're only as good um, as your counterpart on the company side. I give an agency a lot of freedom um, because I don't buy in an agency to tell the agency what the agency should do. The agency should tell me what I should do. It's that expression, don't buy a dog and bark yourself. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Nice. So I give an agency a lot of freedom um, and I shield the agency as much as I can because um, I only buy in only an agency I trust. So I give a lot of trust. With trust comes fun, with fun comes creativity, and with creativity comes quality and success. He's the perfect client, Gilmar. I can only uh, yeah, say yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was difficult? <laughs> no, I think I, I, I wanted to say talking that about a contract, <laughs> <laughs> for instance. Um, the I think that there's another thing that I wanted to say, you know, and that that comes also back to family business. I remember even back to Thorn Echo when we did this tour. There was one guy in particular. He's been there for a long, long time. And he talked to me about the olden times as well. And he was desperate to get those successful rolling times back. And you could just see the passion that sits within this one individual. He was also one of the best backers in this project. So, and I think for us, you know, we, we you know, it's fantastic to have that platform where you can really do your best work. We can also only do our best work. You know, I know it's a cliche, but it, it is true, you know, it is a collaboration and it is a, you need to get the vibes, you need to get the feeling, you need to get the spirit. And that is something that for, for me personally and for us as a company is super important. So spending the time to really understand the business. I learned so much about lighting. That's one thing I can tell you. Um, and sometimes when you say, Yo, can you just explain that term to me? And you get a three-page email mm. back. <laughs> you do get things that, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot of expertise here. You know, and that was just one example. But um, I have a lot of respect for that. So you know, what, what we have then have to do is, is channel that expertise into something that the layman, or maybe not the layman, but that the client will understand who isn't a technician necessarily or you know who's not quite as deep into it and then as i say we 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 had a project where we went from white label to own label we had a startup we had the rejuvenation of a premium brand we had the introduction of a value brand when that hasn't happened in this in this field you know then then to say okay how do you have this one brand how do you re reduce the overlap or how do you make sense of the overlap that exists when two brands in the same group fight against each other for the same customer and then you have the question how do you make create a rationale for the whole group and why do we have all these brands and you know so to create those stories that those are fascinating challenges for somebody like me and the other complexity we touched on is this is an Austrian business and a German-speaking business which has gone global, I guess, by buying other businesses around the world? Yes, indeed. Uh, I think the, the first big move of Zumtobel was uh, uh, 20 years ago uh, buying Thorn, which is a UK brand. And how is that? Does that work? Well, actually, uh, yes and no. Um, I think uh, Zumtubel Group is facing all the same challenges all global companies are facing. Honestly speaking, I worked also for so many global companies. Um, you always have this hub and spoke uh, 
volatility or flexibility. So when, when times are getting tougher, something is not working, then, you know, the headquarter gets a bit tougher, more decisions are taken in the headquarter. When times are better, the business is running well, more freedom, so more decisions are going to the spoke, um, to the countries. So it's, it's, it's volatile. Um, so and you as a manager, you have to take care that, um, that you keep this flexibility, that, you, that the countries are allowed to run, uh, make their business, they know the customer better than you do in the headquarter. But on the, on the same side, um, we have to take care that uh, everyone is working for the same objective, for the same goal, for the same strategy. Uh, sometimes when times are tougher and you take hard decisions in the headquarter, uh, guess how, how much uh, the regions like you. <laughs> Well, we know that Britain, for instance, yeah. likes its independence from Europe, don't we? Yes, yes. And, and we can see that also in our business, our UK business is, is pretty much independent, uh, very successful. Um, how they do their business and um, it's my strategy in marketing my uh, my marketing manager here in in london and um, uh, neil he's doing a fantastic job i give him a lot of freedom but of course sometimes i have to remind him that there's still the headquarter and the rest of the group and uh, so um, you know i try to to align uh, all of them but to give as maximum freedom as possible especially for uk it's a very special market and as oh thank you no it is it is <laughs> it, you you're uh, special in terms of the needs you have for the luminaires it's quite different to 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 continental europe how so yeah well you know um each country um, has a different need or a different emotion with light. Yeah? Um, you know, there are some countries, um, they like bright light, uh, they like white light. So um, I call it, you know, the light you have in the hospital. So I'm fr from continental Europe, from Austria. I like more the warm light, the, this mellow light, um, you know. So each country has a different uh, feeling for light and uh, it's a different approach to, to the customers who knew that our culture would come out in our lighting preferences yeah, yeah, yeah. i love that it's it's quite interesting. Think, and that's interesting when you then have to work across borders because the brands are all international yeah so how do you here's another brand that would work in a, a northern english brand which, which that is, sounds which like is, it would be a good one <laughs> it was and um you know but here, here you have something that is not just english but northern english personality you know, for an English person, you know, they're clearly not from the London set. You know, so that makes a huge difference in the UK. But how do you explain that to Germany? Obviously, with Thorn Echo, just coming back to that, we did something quite quirky, you know, quite British in some ways. You know, to go into a, a market like Germany, that's much more technical. You know, what are the features? You know, what are those things? How did you know? And then you come in. No, no, people don't want to know this. What? They want to know everything of that. You know, what are you telling me? They want stories? Oh, rubbish. You know, in that situation, Dominic, it sounds like it might be helpful then that you have a London based agency with a German at the top of it. Yeah, actually, I, I I don't know whether that's politically correct to say that, but I have to say in, in the last 15 years of my career, uh, in communications and marketing, what I can see is that a lot of trends, a lot of new technologies, they first they pop up in the US, then they come to UK, and from UK they go to the continental Europe, and then somehow they go more to the east. So in terms of timing, I would say sometimes there's a 
in the past there was a difference of three, uh, let's say, uh, the, uh, three years. Now it's maybe less. But still, I think uh, UK or Anglo-Saxon people, they have the marketing DNA. And um, that's why I, um, and we, as we are an international company, for me, it makes no sense to work with a, um, that's the Western Austrian part, an agency who's sitting there and who's doing marketing for this market. I need an agency who's understanding uh, German-speaking business um, at the same time big enough to help us internationally, but also being small enough to be as close as possible to us, to understand us. And of course, sitting in London, uh, in the middle of the city of where disruption is coming from, with the latest technologies, the craziest ideas. And, and therefore, um, I, I selected, uh, or I let's say I did not select the procurement at the end, is deciding, but I mentioned uh, this agency. I said, why don't we look at this agency? And because um, Gilmer is exactly delivering these needs, into being international, understanding uh, a German-Austrian company, and and uh, having the right size to understand us, not too big and not too small. So for us, it was a perfect fit. So Gilmar, when you have a client like this, how do you make use of your straddling these two worlds? <laughs> um, do, you, uh, do you make use of it consciously? Consciously, probably not. It comes to the consciousness after a while. So... You, know, you sit in a meeting, you know, say, well, we were in Munich. We had, we had a brand steering group, you know, where we met PR agency, you know, us, you know, Dominic, this team, so 10, 12 people from different parts of the business. And, you know, it's all English. And one thing is, you know, I mean, Dominic's team, particularly the younger ones, but most of them, you know, the English is really very good. You know, but but then you have when it gets to the higher up the organization, it's not always quite as as good. And, and, and it's those situations where you suddenly realize, hang on, but, you know, this is not that we're not on the same page. We have a language problem here. And then we say you know, to everyone, can we just stop for a moment? Let's just solve this in German. You know, five minutes in German or maybe even less. Can I just explain this to you? This is, you know, and I switch into German, explain it. And ah, okay. You know, back into English, I'll explain to my team a little bit later, but but that that is you know it's a small thing, but it can make a huge difference because it, it then we're back on track and we don't go into some kind of confrontations that weren't necessary. It helped also uh, to justify my decision because uh, when uh, we decided for for Gilmer and his team, uh, let's say let's say part of the stakeholders approached me and they said, uh, why London? Uh, why international? Why don't we take on Austrian? And so they were quite critical. Uh, but uh, when I explained, like you explained, why I thought it's the right decision, and when I said, "Yeah, but but Gilmer, he's German, so we can do it in German." Uh, he worked in Germany, so then uh, even the internal opponents were quite silent. So it helped me also uh, to get the decision through. It's still in in a world of globalization, internationalization. Still, these cultural things are pretty much important. Yeah. And I do think it's not just language, it's just also culture. Yeah. But that's probably another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well then, on that note, until next time, if you don't know GW & Co, have a look at gilmarvent.com, where there's a series of blogs about the questions we're looking at on these podcasts and more on how GW & Co can help with them. 
And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a review wherever you listen so that other lucky people can find them. I'm Neil Taylor. And I'm Gilmar Wendt. And that was the GW & Co podcast.